Shabbat Shalom. Tonight, I'm going to explore how two seemingly unrelated passages in this week's Torah portion come together to teach us something critical about the Jewish vision for leadership. The description of the menorahs in the Mikdash, not the Hanukkah menorah, but the seven-armed menorah like we have up here, as well as the story about the blasphemer. They are both right there in this parsha, actually right next to each other. First, the menorah. Place ha menorah ha tihora, a pure golden menorah, blazing with light from dusk until dawn, inside the Ohel Moed, the tent of meeting. This, our Torah portion teaches, is a chukat olam lodorotechem, an eternal law for all generations. What is this menorah, this candelabra that is set in the most important place in our community, in the center of power, where the most sacred work of our people happens. Why must it burn throughout the night? At first glance, it might seem obvious. Hello, Rabbi, they needed to see it was dark. Next sermon, please. But rabbinic Judaism is all about searching for deeper meaning in an ancient text, for forgotten gems of ancient wisdom that might, so to speak, shine the light of the menorah on our world today. Indeed, the rabbis in the Talmud, also seeking deeper meaning, picked up on some of the language in these verses. The Torah commands that this menorah be placed michutz lefarochet ha'edut, right outside of the curtain that covers the ark. But what's interesting is that the name for this curtain, literally translated, means the curtain of testimony or the curtain of witnessing. Playing with this inside the Talmud, as rabbis often do, Rav Sheshet asks rhetorically, and does God require the light of the menorah for illumination at night? Didn't the children of Israel, all 40 years that they walked in the wilderness, walk exclusively by God's light, the pillar of fire? No, he teaches us. The light of the menorah is a dut. It is testimony to all of humanity, the Shekhinah, that the divine presence rests among Israel. In the same portion, just a few verses later, the rabbis do again what they do best, this time about the blasphemer. The Torah portion relates a story of a young man who goes out into the community of Israel and desecrates the holy name. As traditionally understood, blasphemy is the act or offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God. Picking up on this, the rabbis seem unsettled with a simple definition of what it is to be a blasphemer. And in Yoma 86b, the Gemara asks, what are the circumstances that cause desecration of God's name? Rav, another rabbi in the Talmud, answers, for example, in the case of someone like me, since I'm an important public figure, if I were to take meat from a butcher and not immediately pay for it, people are likely to think that I did not mean to pay at all. They would consider me a thief and learn from my behavior that one is permitted to steal. So what can we learn from the rabbinic reading of this chapter in Leviticus? This chapter that continues as part of the holiness code, 
the center of our Torah, which instructs us how to set up a community that is just and lives up to the vision of holiness we glimpsed when we were given Torah at Sinai. Well, at first, these two threads of text, the first about the lighting arrangements in the Beit Migdash and the second about a blasphemer, might seem completely disparate. The Talmudic interpretations, probably unintentionally, stitch them together to offer at least two important lessons on leadership. The first lesson is about truth-telling. Why do we burn a light all night long? And why is this incumbent on all generations throughout time? Because dangerous things can happen when we let lights go out in centers of power. The Talmud teaches that the light is an edut, a testimony to all the world that the Shekhinah, the divine presence, dwells in that place. From this, we learn that there is an obligation on those who serve as our leaders, on those who are in charge of our places of power, on those who take on the most important and sacred work of society, to not only do good and honest work, but assure the rest of us that this is what they are doing. It is not enough, teaches Torah, to be in a situation where those on the inside believe that the Shekhinah dwells there. It is not enough for those on the inside to think that things are going all right. No, what is critical is that they shine a light of proof. What is critical is that truth be told, but also that the world believes that truth is being told. The menorah is not there to give light. It is there as a shining symbol of something greater, that those with power operate under the gaze of witness and offer up the light of testimony, libe'e olam, for all the world to see. And this, the mitzvah of burning a light so that we may witness and that those on the inside may testify, this is what is so important that it is declared, chukat olam ladorotechem, an eternal law for all generations. The Ohel Moed, our sanctuary, and indeed all sanctuaries of power and holiness, be they synagogues or political institutions, must keep that light burning. The second leadership lesson we can learn from this chapter is that the work of being a public figure with a whole community or a whole country looking to you for leadership is sacred work. It is, to use a phrase that might make me slightly uncomfortable sometimes, God's work. When Rav says that for a public figure to take meat from a butcher and not pay for it right away so that others may think you are stealing from them is a form of chilul Hashem, desecration of God's name, he is linking the work of the public servant to the obligation to be in covenantal relationship with the divine. Show us that the Shekhinah dwells in your midst. Show us you are in deep and committed relationship to holiness so that we can trust you. Show us that you care about the things that matter most and understand that there is a history of the abuse of power. The bar is higher, the burden of proof heavier. Our tradition teaches that it is incumbent on leaders to keep the menorah the light of testimony and witness always burning. To abdicate this responsibility, to illuminate our land with the light of witness and with the fire of testimony, is to abdicate the foundational elements of what it is to be a leader and a public figure. 
the golden pure lights of the menorah were not installed as luxurious decorative lighting for those who were lucky enough and powerful enough to do their work in the tent of meeting. And the concern about blasphemy, about the desecration of the divine name, was not ultimately about some child swearing. No. The golden menorah is for us that we may see in, that the world may see inside and be assured that the Shekhinah Shurabah Yisrael, that the presence of the divine rests among the people, dwells in the place of power and privilege. And the warning about Hilul Hashem, the desecration of God's name, is a warning to those most powerful about the nature of the power they hold, the symbolic import of each of their actions, and perhaps most importantly, how essential it is that those around them understand their actions to be just and good. The tradition teaches that in the days of the temple in Jerusalem, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. On that one day, he alone would enter that sacred space and utter the divine name. This was considered such a dangerous act that the other priests would tie a rope around his ankle in case something happened to him and he needed to be pulled out of that place. Not only does our tradition assign words that kind of power, but leaders that kind of responsibility. Leaders with that much power are warned that the balance of the cosmos is in their hands and that the work they do is holy. Holy work for a fragile world illuminated by the radiance of a community looking in on what they hold most dear. Shabbat Shalom.